You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, January 3, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones is uh, in the control room. He is, of course, uh, running the show, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904 and just uh, getting me through it. we got the two hours ahead of Sports Talk Radio, Sports and More, and i uh, got a good show on tap for you that I'll run down here in just a second. Welcome in on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. This hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it really is just a better way of banking. I encourage you to find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union Loans for Real Life. Goodbye and see them at one of their many locations around the state of Alabama, including a bunch of them right here in West Alabama. Alabama Credit Union. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, uh, Andrew Bone back with us uh, for Alabama football recruiting report this morning at 9.30. Looking forward to that because Alabama hoping to uh, have a couple players announce at these all-star games this weekend that they're going to play with the Crimson Tide. And, of course, Ryan Williams is going to sign in February and make an announcement then. And we'll get the latest on uh, recruiting and uh, also portal uh, recruiting and uh, portal going on with uh, – which went on in the portal with Andrew Bone at 9.30. Then at 10.30, Heights on Hoops. Bart Heights will join us for a basketball segment this morning as we'll uh, get ready for the SEC schedule, and we'll talk in depth with uh, Bart Heights about hoops. Your phone calls, as I said, are welcome on the First Domain Condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904 is the number. All right, some topics. Uh, Alabama football, of course, got back. Yesterday afternoon, they flew in from Los Angeles out to the airport and bust over to the Malmore Athletic Complex. And the guys, uh, seeing their season come to an end for some of them, uh, they'll get right into the uh, off-season program for others, uh, that are going into the NFL draft. They'll start preparing for that. And there'll be others that are going into the portal. And, um, you know, that's just the, that's just the way it is. Uh, Shaz Preston, the latest, the wide receiver out of Louisiana, uh, is, uh, going into the portal. He did not play much in his two years with the Crimson Tide, part of the 2022 signing class, a highly rated recruiter, uh, highly rated uh, receiver coming out of high school, but he is uh, going to be on the move. And, uh, Holman Wiggins, the wide receivers coach who's done a good job, uh, particularly as a recruiter, uh, he is leaving to, uh, reportedly go to uh, Texas A&M, and that is expected to happen. That new uh, A&M head coach, Mike Elko, is hiring Holman Wiggins, the wide receivers coach at Alabama. So uh, this is the time of the year when this happens with the portal and with coaches uh, moving on. Uh, there may be some more movement as far as the coaching staff. I'm not sure about that. But um, we know that there will be uh, two openings now with Holman Wiggins leaving. And, of course, Coleman Hutzler is already in the process of uh, – transferring his services over to Mississippi State. Well, he'll become the defensive coordinator there for Jeff Levy. So that's two of the assistants, the full-time assistants from this year's staff that are moving on. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this staff is configured by Nick Saban for 2024. Um, a lot of thoughts in my head after yesterday's show and uh, other shows that I've listened to and 
internet stuff that I've read, and I know Barry and I were talking off air here in the transition from his show to my show. It is amazing. I know Nick Saban's all about the process, but it is amazing how for everybody else it's all about the result, and I get it. I I, I understand Alabama lost the game. But when you win, maybe you had the same issues in a win, Justin, but nobody is, you know, everybody's concerned about things and snaps and maybe this or that. But when you win the game, um, you know, you won the game. So it's not as big a deal. As soon as you lose one, all of this stuff, you know, all this stuff's back up. And I understand the, the center quarterback exchange deal is troubling. It's gone on all year with Seth McLaughlin and, and Jalen Milrow. But you lose the game, and now all the questions back about Jalen Milrow, man. I don't know how many people I've read, you know, well, you know, they kept their mouth shut when Alabama was winning. All right? You know, when it, when they were rattling off 11 wins in a row, and he was making plays and finishing sixth in the Heisman and, you know, throwing a BB on fourth and goal from the 31 and leading the Tide to win over Georgia, nobody said anything. Soon as Alabama comes up a play short, against Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal, here they go. They being a general term for a lot of people now, already back on, he can't throw it well enough. He can't do this. He can't do that. It is amazing, isn't it? Um, you know, I yeah, join me here, Justin, because I don't want to discredit, again, the result. I really don't. You know, it's like Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. Gene Stallings said the fun is in the winning Nick Saban wanted to win this game. Alabama wanted to be getting ready to go to Houston on Friday and preparing to play a national championship game against Washington. Let's be clear on that. Uh, nobody's happy that they lost the game. But when you have, and, and, and sometimes I get a little frustrated myself, is we don't understand when you play these kind of games, and Alabama's been on the right end of them more than not, Justin, your margin for error is very small. Michigan's good, okay? They're good, they're 14 and 0. All right? They've been in the playoff for the third straight year. They you weren't going to go into that game and not play well and have, you know, and expect to win it. Alabama could have played better. Michigan had a lot to do with that, but it came down, listen. The margin for error in that game for both teams was so small. Michigan goes for it on a fourth and two from their own 33-yard line or whatever. Give them credit. They had a great play dialed up. I thought Alabama should try to get a timeout there. They hit a big play. They tie it up. But even at the end of the game, that kid muffed that punt. And, I mean, it came within a whisker being a safety that would have won the game for Alabama. Uh, and if Alabama had found a way to win that game, we wouldn't be having all this conversation about Jalen Milrow. The conversation would be, man, this Alabama team knows how to win. They know how to find a way. Just like Washington. Washington's won 10 straight games by 10 points or less. They almost blew that game against Texas. I mean, almost gave it away. But because they won, you know, I get it. But don't try to start saying that Milrow can't do this and can't do that when he led you to 11 straight wins, went 9-0 and in the SEC, beat Georgia, and had you on the goal line, fourth and three, um, with a chance to force a second overtime, or who knows, maybe Saban goes for two there. But my point is this. I know people get frustrated when they don't win, but only one team wins the national championship. You've been a beneficiary of six national championships since 2009, okay? You've played for, what, four more, I think, three or four more bid playoffs, Um it's, it's, it's just, you know, sometimes you don't win. Sometimes you don't win. 
you know what? Pittsburgh Steelers won four Super Bowls in the 70s. But they didn't win every one of them. <laughs> Nobody wins them all. And it was a, and, and I just, I'm so frustrated because of the fact that it was a great season. And, and I agree with Nick Saban when he says that. Man, what this team overcame, I didn't think this team was going to rattle off nine SEC wins. After what I saw against Texas and South Florida, I picked them to lose at Texas A&M. I picked them to lose in the SEC championship game. I mean, this team had a remarkable season and won the SEC championship. Don't diminish how hard that is to do. And Alabama's won nine of them now under Saban. They've won 30 all time. Nobody else is even close. Yeah, you're frustrated. Yeah, you wish you were playing in Houston for a national championship, but you were one of four teams that had an opportunity. I think it was a, I think it was a heck of a year. And I think if people can take their blinders off in regards to the final result, they'll agree 12 and two with an SEC championship and an overtime loss in the college football playoffs, playoff semifinal of the Rose Bowl. It was a heck of a season. And and one of the best Iron Bowl victories of all time. Yeah, I mean, wise. listen, let's just be honest about it. Um, Alabama won some games that they could have lost. You know, I mean, you don't, you know, they could have, I mean, I, I thought they outplayed Georgia, but they could have lost that game. It wasn't like that was a blowout. And obviously they're better than Auburn, but they were sitting there in fourth and goal in the 31. I mean, you don't give up hope until the final whistle, but nobody expected to win that. I didn't. I mean, when it's fourth and go at the 31, nobody expected Alabama to score a touchdown there. I, I can't remember if it was Deontay Lawson or which defensive player it was, but he gave an interview and said that he didn't expect them to win the game. He thought the season was over, basically, at fourth and 31. Of course, that wasn't how the game ended. To your point with Michigan, Gary, people, like you said, people don't – We as sloppy as the game was on both sides for Alabama and Michigan – that game was decided by one play, and you can choose it at any point right. in the game, and it's a different outcome. But sure. it wasn't, and Michigan put up a fight and won the game. There's more to look forward to, though, with this Alabama team. The world's oh, not absolutely. Over. You know, I see it. You see it in basketball all the time. You know, you see a two teams that go at it. Two teams play great. Uh, maybe one team has a two point lead with six seconds to go, or four seconds to go, or whatever it is. And the other team that's down two throws it in. The kid dribbles it up and he hits a, you know, 40 foot shot at the buzzer to win the game. All right. Did the team that lost by one play any less hard or have, you know, they, they were in position to win the game, but they didn't. You know, sometimes both teams play. Play as hard as they can. Somebody is going to get a win and somebody's going to get a loss, but the team that got a loss, um, you can't sit there and say they didn't play hard or well, or, you know, you might, you could even say they probably deserve to win the game. Sometimes you, sometimes, as, as those saying goes, deserves got nothing to do with it. Sometimes you outplay a team and you deserve to win and you don't win. <laughs> you know, that's almost what happened to Washington. I mean, Washington outplayed Texas in that game. Washington, you know, Penix, uh, just lit them up. And, but, you know, because of, Almost flukish type plays there at the end. Texas came very, very close to winning that game. And if Texas had won that game, they wouldn't have had to apologize. They'd be playing Michigan. And Washington fans would be devastated. I mean, the result doesn't always go your way. And it doesn't mean you don't have a great program. It doesn't mean you don't have a great team. It doesn't mean you didn't have a great season. So I hope Alabama fans will get past the disappointment of losing to Michigan and acknowledge again that there were 
13 other SEC teams that would have liked to have been where Alabama was at. Would have liked to have won the SEC championship. Would have liked to have been in that playoff. And again, Justin, what we're talking about here is be, I guess, be thankful for the, the fact that you're still the, you know, right now you're still the top dog in the SEC. I mean, I don't care that Georgia uh, blew out a Florida State team that didn't have any players. You beat, you beat Georgia head up. I mean, a lot of Georgia fans came out of the woodwork taking a victory lap yesterday. Like I told you, we were the best team, and we wouldn't have lost to Michigan. Well, you know what? You lost to Alabama. You know what, Gary? They still have to come see us next year in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so you lost to Alabama. Another thing I like to say is you got to beat them when you play them. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, I've seen a lot of teams um, that, you know, lose a game early, and then six weeks later you say, you know what, boy, they beat that team now. But you got to beat them when you play them. And, and it, you know, it's like Gene Stallings and other things Coach Stallings used to always be focused on. It wasn't always pretty, but beat the team you're playing that week. You know, people say, well, they were, you know, they couldn't have beat so and so today. Well, they weren't playing so and so. You got to beat who you play and you got to beat them when you play them. And that's the challenge of a season. There are ups and downs, there are ebbs and flows, there are injuries. You know, you look at what happened to Florida State, you know, Alabama to some degree, you know, fortunate to be in the playoff. So it was, it was a great year. It did not end with the result. You know, I go back. You know, now that I'm 59, I go back further than some. But you know what? There wasn't always great endings for Alabama under Coach Bryant. The sixth that he won, you know, 1966, they went undefeated and 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 didn't get a championship. And then in '73, you know, they lost that 24-23 game Sugar Bowl to Notre Dame and had you know the best team in the country all year and lost. And the next year, the same thing. 1974 in the Orange Bowl, 13 to 11 to Notre Dame. And, you know, then he won it in 78 and 79, had won it in in 73 before the bowl game because the UPI crowned the title. But Coach Bryant won six, but he could have won more. He didn't win them all. Coach Saban's won six at Alabama, could have won more. You're not going to win every one of them. And the amazing thing that is in 10 years, 10 years, Justin, and we'll, you can chime in, then we'll get to the break. 10 years of a 14 playoff, Alabama went eight times. Let that sink in for a minute now. Went eight times to the playoff you got schools that never even sniffed the playoff and i'm talking about good schools i mean good programs and now everybody's excited because it's going to be expanded to a 12-team playoff some of these teams that couldn't get in to a bcs championship game or couldn't get into a 14 playoff now we'll have an opportunity but just think about what alabama accomplished eight out of the 10 years they were in the playoff and before that in 09, they, they won the BCS championship. 11, they won the BCS championship. 12, they won the BCS championship. And in 8 and 13, they were whisker from being the BCS championship game. It's just, it's been, a, it's been an amazing run. I'm wondering, Gary, do you think this is a younger generation problem? Cause I know as long as you've covered this team, you, you can remember these bad coaches, the downs that the university has had. I feel like, Obviously, the whole fan base is spoiled since Nick Saban's been here, but some people just uh, are blinded by. Yeah, it. I do, Justin. I think that if you let's say you're let's say you're 30 years old, all right, um, you were what 14 when Saban got here. Um, no, let's say you're 25 and you were nine. So yeah, really, all you know is winning all right let's say you were nine years old when when Saban got here and I don't want to use the term spoiled but 
I do want to use the term just used to the result being uh, incredible. And and then, of course, being reinforced by the media that Saban's never gone three years without a national title. And I will say this, these three years he's went without a national title, he won two SECs. That's pretty special. So, yeah, Justin, I, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the fact that um, – your level of expectations are just so high that anything other than winning the championship, uh, it seems like a failure, and it's not a failure. And winning the SEC championship is a big, big deal. All right, we need to get to the break. We'll come back. We'll get to a phone call on the first domain condominiums hotline. Andrew Bone with the Bama Football Recruiting Report coming up at 930. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true southern flavor since 1947 and the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Get some Kaneka Sausage now at KanekaSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama women's basketball finished non-conference play with a dominant win against Mississippi Valley State on Sunday. Christy Curry met with the media after the win. You know, it's always good to come back from the holidays and um, have a chance to um, play um, before conference and just to be able to get our feet back under us and be able to work on some combinations. And I think the biggest thing with us is just to have everybody healthy um, and back out there. So it was good to see Naomi. I thought Aaliyah and SA, you know, had 18 apiece in 14 minutes. And, you know, we're able to get a lot of minutes and um, kind of get our feet back under us, which is hard to simulate when your practice guys are out of town. So it was good for us today to... I thought the crowd, we had a really good crowd today. Appreciate everybody coming out, and we're excited and, and hope they'll be back in here um, on the 4th so we take on Ole Miss to start conference play. I'll have more in a moment. Kaneka Sausage is a true southern flavor since 1947. Using the finest ingredients, Kaneka Sausage has a tradition of making great-tasting hickory-smoked sausage for over 70 years. Visit their new gift shop in Evergreen, Alabama, or shop online at KanekaSausage.com. Kaneka Sausage, the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Join us tomorrow for Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central on all CTSN social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and Free Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and free vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy and colder today. The chance of a little scattered light rain. The most widespread rain will be south of here, the high 45. The sky clearing tonight below 29. And tomorrow, a dry day, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 36 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 922 Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get a couple phone calls in. We're going to jump out on the first of main condominiums hotline and get to Philip, and then we'll take uh, the Cowboy. Hey, good morning, Philip. Hey, Gary. How you doing, man? Good morning. Happy New Year. Good. Hey, uh, Happy New Year. I've got an idea on the bowl games I was going to throw out there to you. Um, just make them a, a, a really big event and a you know a slice of a, a slice of Americana and what makes this country what it is. And what I'd love to see is you got forty games, forty bowl games now, and they're spread over seventeen days. They start December the sixteenth, and then they. They ran in, uh, ran up until this past Monday. Of course, we've got one more to go. But what I'd love to see is take those 40 bowl games and com- compact it in to about 10 days. Start them uh, on um, like the 23rd of December, which was in this case would have been a Saturday, um, and then just run them pretty much straight through except skip Sundays, and then uh, – end up on the first like we did. So it'd be like five games a day mm-hmm. for ten days. And just compact it in and make it a a really um marketed uh type thing like that. I I think that might actually Help the bowl game. Yeah, it, uh, it probably wouldn't. It makes sense. I'm going to tell you something, uh, though, that goes into this, Philip, just like Barry was saying earlier on his show, uh, that, you know, the basketball, you know, why they're playing at these weird times. Because television dictates everything, and television wants inventory. And television wants that inventory spread out. When it comes to the bowls, they want it spread out. They don't want it compacted like that for just a few days. You see what I'm saying, Philip? They want games starting, yeah. you know, in early December and running all through the month because they need inventory. And even if it's a, you know, so-and-so little bowl game featuring, uh, you know, a couple of uh, group of five teams. It's still college football. It's still programming. And so they're not probably going to buy into that because they want games uh, beginning at a certain date and running through. Uh, you know, now certainly got more active this past weekend. We had games everywhere, good games. But I, yeah. I think what you said makes a lot of sense, but I just don't know that television's, you know, mainly ESPN because they're, they're the one that have all the bowl games for the most part. Yeah. I just don't know that they're going to, um, you know, buy into that. So it isn't just about – if it were just about what was good for bowl games and good for, you know, making them better, then we probably would do something maybe like you're talking about. But it isn't just about that. It's about television uh, wanting programming and wanting that programming spread out over the course of, you know, the entire month. So – I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think I'm with you. I think that with the 12 team playoff, there's even going to be less interest in the bowl games outside of the playoffs. So we need to do something because I mean, it's just disappointing that, um, we just don't have the interest in the bowl games that we once had. And I'm talking about big bowl games, games that should be important, you know? That's true. Well, 
you know, you're you're just a few years younger than me, but but when I was, you know, twelve, thirteen, all up until um, probably, you know, my first year in college, uh, I can I get it. I can only remember about thirteen bowl games. I can remember the uh, Gator Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, and I remember the Citrus Bowl. Uh, not, not yeah. Well, no, Tangerine Bowl. Tangerine Bowl, yeah. And and Liberty Bowl and the old Peach Bowl at Atlanta Fulton Stadium. And then you had the Big Four. And the Holiday Bowl's been around for a while. It was always one of yeah. my favorite you games. Had the, and you had the Sun Bowl out in El Paso. That's and you had the Sun Bowl. Mm-hmm. You did have the Sun Bowl, and I think you may have had um, uh, the 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 Citrus has been around for a while. Um, but it was really only about 12 or 13 bowl games. Am I right on that? Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now and see if I can find a, uh, a list. Here is, uh, yeah, I pulled up 1978, 15 bowl games in 1978. They were the, oh, yeah. and obviously you had then, you had the, the big four. They were the cotton, <laughs> cotton, orange, rose, and sugar. Additional bowls that year, uh, 11 other bowl games were the Blue Bonnet Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, the Sun Bowl, Tangerine Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Hall of Fame Classic, Garden State Bowl, and the Independence Bowl. So you covered, uh, you, you covered, you covered most of them. Yeah. So there were 15 total bowl games in 1978. Those were the ones. And of course, those were the days of the pre-sponsorship. So there were, you know, there were no so-and-so bowl. It was just the name of the bowl game and that was it. And, uh, yeah. uh, and. Well, yeah, and of course that you know, was. Again, if, if, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that was the year Alabama beat, you know, beat Penn if, State in the tournament. If the TV people are after inventory, which you're right, if they're after inventory, you know, they're going to have to help uh, sweeten the pot for some of these guys to play, I think. And um, you don't know, that doesn't guarantee effort. That doesn't guarantee effort, but, you know, it shows, it, it does probably guarantee that the teams are going to be pretty much full. Yeah, uh, as I said yesterday on my show, Philip, you've got to, between now and August to me, come up with some changes all across the board. If we, if we limp into 19, uh, uh, 2024 with the same, nothing different, it's going to be a mess. Hey, going back to 76, there were only 12 bowl games. So you're right. By 78, they'd added three more. In 76, yeah. there were the Sun, Cotton, Orange and Rose, uh, Sugar, Blue Bonnet, Peach Bowl, Gator Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Tangerine Bowl, and Independence Bowl. So just 12 yeah. in 76. So you're right. Hey, great call, Philip. I need to try to get somebody else in real quick. Man. Thanks, man. All right, we're going to try to get Cowboy in here before we have to hit the break and come back with Andrew Bone. Hey, Cowboy. How you doing, Gary? Doing good. Well, I guess I kind of gave you, I told you I was worried about that football game, but nobody had my word. I just... No, a lot of people were worried. You weren't the only one that was worried. I was worried. I mean, I picked I picked Alabama to win the game, but I said all along I knew what a good team Michigan was. I mean, you know, when you play the number one team in the country that's 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 you know undefeated, thirteen and zero, you should be worried. But you know, Alabama could have won the game. I mean, it was like I said earlier, and, and you know, sometimes in these games, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. I mean, Alabama could have won that oh, game. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. you know, give Michigan credit. You know, they made the plays they had to make. So you're not disappointed that we lost? I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to let it ruin the the season. I mean, I, I, I listen, I honestly do feel like Alabama did a lot of great work to get in that position. I, you know, after the 
uh, I, w- I was not different than a lot of other people. I didn't think after the – I didn't give up, but I didn't think after Texas and, and South Florida this team was going to going to be in the college football playoff. <laughs> you know, so I think it was a, I think yeah, it was a really right. good year. Yeah, it was a good year. It was a good year. But, you know, some of the things that uh, kind of pop up against us happen again. You know, we've always had trouble covering a running back coming out of the backfield. Boy, that catches us every time. Mm -hmm. And it it caught us on that fourth and two play. Once they did that, you knew they were going in. If if they'd have got that play and they'd have got five yards, you know, that would have been different. But that play was such a momentum swinger when they get 40 yards on that play, you know. I had a penalty, but it brought it back probably 25, 30 yards. But still, that 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 play just swung the momentum so much, you know. And uh, then we had a pass down there, you know, um, that number 32 for us, Lawson, I believe he semi-touched it. He did, he did. It may have slowed it down where that guy could catch it or otherwise it had been interesting. It just worked our year to beat Michigan. He tipped it and it worked out to Michigan's advantage, you know. So, yeah, like I said, man, it's, it's, uh, I said last week, I said, you know, a lot of people that I talked to up in that part of the country said it just was Michigan's time, and it, it may be Michigan's yeah. time. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, like I said, Alabama in 2009, nobody was going to stop that Alabama team in 2009. Nobody. They, yeah. they, they, after what happened in 2008, they were, it was their time. And, you know, Michigan, after the last two years, um, you know, they're on a mission. And then now they're going to have to really work right. against Penix because he's something special. But, um, but you're right, Gary. Gary. I, I've been on Penix all year, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with it. Yeah, baby. he should have won the Heisman. You know, looking it. back at it now, I mean, with, with what his team accomplished and what he was able to do versus what, you know, LSU accomplished with Jaden Daniels, he probably should have won the Heisman. But uh, it's hey, going to be fun game. Yeah, you know, Nick Saban was on to something when he interviewed that Washington offensive coordinator. He kind of must appreciate the way they run their offense. Well, he does, so, and know, I'll tell you something else, too. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is a phenomenal head coach, um, a phenomenal head coach. Yes, and, sir. you know, down the road, don't be surprised if, you know, even though he's at a really good school, don't be surprised if Kalen DeBoer's name doesn't pop up if you have, you know, openings at, at some of these true true blue blood schools because he's, he's big time. So, hey, I got to hit the break, Cowboy. Good to hear from All you, right, my friend. One last thing is uh, – the Big Ten, when Oregon and Washington come in there, some of those Big Ten schools better buckle their chin strap because they're fixing to pop them. They had. They had. And uh, though they have, yeah. or they need to, they will. Yeah, because those two teams can play. There's yeah. no doubt. It's say, hey, listen, man, yeah. SEC and the and the Big Ten both with uh, Oregon and Washington coming into the Big Ten, and with uh, and not just Oregon, Washington, obviously USC and UCLA too, but and the Texas yeah. and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. Look out, man! It's going to get more difficult. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Cowboy. All right, buddy. All right. Thank you. We'll be back with Andrew Bowen right after this. Flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're excited for a uh, Andrew Bone Bama football recruiting report. A lot to cover this morning and uh, in regards to the 2024 class, the 2025 class, the transfer portal, the impact of Alabama's loss to Michigan on recruiting. We're going to break it all down with Bone. Good morning, Bone. Morning, Gary. How you doing? 
Good. Great to have the uh, senior recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. All right, let's just dive right in first to, to the game on, on Monday at the Rose Bowl. Alabama could have won, but Michigan did, and so Alabama's season comes uh, to an end, uh, unfortunately, prior to the national championship game. Just any, you know, win, lose, whatever, but when you're playing on that kind of stage, you got over 30 million viewers uh, at one point tuned in on the game. Uh, a lot of recruits, a lot of commitments. Uh, the impact of losing a game like that on recruiting, does, is it? Is there anything to that at all? No, not really. I right. mean, yeah, Alabama just won the SEC championship. They, uh, you know, finished season twelve and two. They went toe to toe with the number one team in the country, and yeah, you know, there were some uh, obviously some opportunities there for Alabama to pull out a W, but you know, they end up, they end up winning. And yeah, you know, I, I think that you know a lot of people see that there's a very bright future ahead. You look at Alabama, you know, from a team perspective, and. You had a lot of fresh faces that, uh, you know, were impact players for Alabama this fall that are, you know, for the most part returning next season. So I think that, um, you know, I don't think there's any negative impact on recruiting for Alabama, but, you know, now you got to, you know, you just signed a number two recruiting class in the country. You got a chance to add a few more pieces, um, you know, in the coming weeks and, you know, got to figure out the transfer portal, obviously. Um, you know, who's still available, who might leave your team, stuff like that. But, um, but I, I think that, you know, there's a lot to be excited about here in the future. Yeah. Let's get to the, the immediate future, the, the, the Army All-Star game, the Under Armour All-Star game coming up and, and Alabama is, uh, from what I understand, Bone, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, the word out there is that Zay Mincy and, and Daniel Hill have already signed and they just haven't announced it, but, uh, Mincy, the, uh, defensive back from Daytona Beach, Florida, and, uh, Hill, the running back from Meridian, Mississippi, are going to make their announcements, uh, at these All-Star games. And, uh, I'm reading that Alabama is the expected destination of both. Is that the latest? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say call it the expected destination, but it is a destination that uh, that I feel like you know a lot of people you know feel like that's going to be the choice. Now, these are two guys that did sign during the early signing period. Daniel Hill signed uh, on that Wednesday on December the twentieth, and then Zay Mitzi signed on uh, December the twenty second. Uh, with Daniel Hill, this is the kid that has visited Alabama you know almost twenty times throughout his recruitment. Uh, was scheduled to announce a decision back in August, but held off. You know, it looked like it was going to be South Carolina back then, but I, I just don't think his family ever really wanted him to go that far away from home. Uh, they wanted him a little bit closer to, you know, Alabama, you know, has kind of been their favorite school throughout the whole process. His dad did play at Mississippi State. Uh, so they were able to get him on campus that final weekend um, before signing day visited with the new coaching staff and you know, felt like they did a good job of, you know, kind of getting in there late. But, uh, you know, it also kind of seems, you know, like it is you know, going to be tough for, for them to be able to to pull that off because, they, you know, they were really only recruiting them for about really about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so that, that's a tough deal. Um, so did, but anyway, I, I do think it comes down to Alabama and South Carolina, or Alabama and Mississippi State. I think South Carolina's uh, pretty much out. But um, then you got Zay Mincy, who you know we've talked about him throughout the year. I mean, we've always kind of said that 
this was going to be a kid that was going to be really tough to get out of Florida. Right, um, yeah. Uh, Florida, Miami, you know, really made him a top priority. Um, you know, both have really heavily pursued him throughout this whole process. And he's only visited Alabama twice. Visited once during the summer and then came back for the official visit in uh, in October. But the relationship with uh, Traveris Robinson uh, on Alabama staff has um, has been really good uh, throughout this whole process, and and I think they have you know, certainly done a great job uh, recruiting him. Uh, you know, really ever since that first visit back in the summer, um, you know, stayed in almost daily communication with him. And despite Alabama signing six defensive backs uh, during that early signing period, you know, they always told him, "Hey, you know." You're one of our top guys. You have a spot on this team. You know, really, we really want you. And, you know, it kind of looked like an Alabama-Florida battle for a while. But then Florida ends up losing their uh, defensive back coach, Corey Raymond. Um, And I think that played a big impact, you know, on things. And then it started to look like it was an Alabama-Miami battle. And Miami started to feel, you know, really good. Uh, They felt like they had a chance to, uh, to get him on board. But, um, you know, now it's in, you know, now the confidence has kind of waned on that side. So, you know, Alabama, I think is sitting in a, in a pretty good spot. Um, but you just, you never know what, what might happen. I don't think anybody's kind of come out and said, yeah, he definitely did not sign with their school. Um, I think they're pretty, everybody's being kind of tight lipped about it, but, uh, but I think Alabama, and for the most part, is um, is in a, in a decent spot for both those guys heading into uh, the decision on Saturday. All right. Well, give me your predictions for for Mitzi and, and Hill. Ultimately, what, who do you think they wind up announcing for? Uh, I think Alabama's in a in a pretty good spot for both of them. Well, there you go. From from bad to the bone, he's uh, he's calling <laughs> it for the, he's calling it for the tie. All right. Let me ask you this: if if they do announce. Uh, where would that, because you're at, you're at number two, obviously, so there's nowhere else to go that, but, but would be number one. I, uh, I assume though, based on looking at the on three rankings, that still wouldn't be enough to overtake Georgia, would it? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, yeah, I think a lot kind of depends on, um, uh, I don't think Alabama's going to get number one based on those two commits, but. You know, there are all-star games happening right now, um, you know, Under Armour and All-American. So there's one more, there's one more rankings update that will happen in the next couple of weeks. So there, there could be a couple changes, um, you know, that could shift things. You know, there could be a five-star that drops to four. There could be you know, obviously some, uh, you know, guys outside the top 100 who could move up. Um, so there's always a chance for, for a little bit of a shakeup. So it's, it's going to be really close. It's already going to be really close. Um, if those two guys do commit, um, and obviously Alabama, you know, must keep, uh, Ryan Williams on board and, you know, we'll see if there's potentially any other, uh, guys that sneak in for business this month. Of course, looming in February is, uh, <laughs> you know, we know what's going to happen then with Ryan Williams. He's going to, he's going to sign with, with, um, Someone and he's been committed to Alabama for a long time. We know other schools have continued to pursue him, primarily Auburn. Uh, as we sit here on January third, um, what's your what's your intel telling you on Ryan Williams? I know it's a month away, but do you think ultimately he sticks with the tide? I mean, the majority of our intel is Ryan Williams. I mean, Ryan's the one that keeps coming out and saying that he's 
100% solid that you know, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's telling every, you know, every Alabama signee and, and, you know, different, different kids that he's 100% locked in, but he wants to enjoy the process. Uh, talk to Alabama about it. Um, you know, they're okay. Uh, he said they've been completely understanding about, you know, him taking visits and, um, you know, have, you know, never really pressured him to go ahead and, and sign or do anything like that. Well, you know, we, we see that at a lot of other schools, but, you know, from, from what we've seen with Alabama's, you know, as far as pressuring kids to make decisions or pressuring kids to not take visits, um, that just never happens because, right. you know, I think in their perspective, it hurts them worse because if you tell a kid not to do something, he's probably going to do it anyway. Um, right. you know, be behind them, you know, support them, tell them you're still there. I think Alabama feels like they're in a good spot. You know, obviously, uh, the news that Holman Wiggins, uh, leaving for Texas A&M, I think that probably, <laughs> that probably, uh, you know, got a lot of people talking last night. Um, you know, how does that affect Ryan? Uh, I think the, I would have, I would imagine the Auburn side probably felt, uh, pretty excited, uh, about that news last night, thinking that, um, you know, Holman was the main, main guy for Ryan and Ryan's got a good relationship with Holman. Uh and obviously would be a position coach, but uh he's got relationships all over the Alabama coaching staff and you know the closest one he has right now, uh him and his dad is with Traveris Robinson. Um even though that's not the guy who has been the lead recruiter, that's the guy who they you know really connected with and bonded with and, and kept in contact with um throughout this whole process. So I think that that's a big, uh, uh, that's a big part of, uh, of Ryan's recruitment and, and a big, big reason why he's, you know, still very solid. But I don't think that, um, Holman leaving has much of an impact. Now, he's going to take these official visits this month. He's going to Alabama first, Texas second, and then he's going to, um, Auburn third. Obviously, a lot of people will be nervous about the, um, <laughs> that, that last weekend. Uh, visit to Auburn, but uh, you should, you know, I think fans should also be excited about the first weekend visit um, to Alabama on the 20th because you know that's a weekend that he could potentially come in and say, "All right, I'm, you know, I'm shutting things down. I'm done. I'm not going to take any other visits." So we'll see what happens after that weekend. Yeah, you covered the Wiggins uh, situation. I was going to ask you about it anyway, obviously, but I, I think Bone and, and of course you you deal with it every day. I just think. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, a coach leaving to go to, uh, it was, it just seemed to happen as often. And I think sometimes it did impact recruiting. I, I just think these kids are just used to it now. Coaches, coaches move, players move. I mean, it, I, I don't think they hardly bat an eye to you. I mean, I just think it's kind of expected that as soon as the season is over, you're going to have coaching movement on these staffs. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, somebody said the other day, um, I think that, Holman Wiggins is the longest was the longest tenured coach on Alabama staff, and he didn't get there until 2019. 19, I think, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, you you go to an elite program, one of the top programs in the country, you, you're not going to expect you know, assistant coaches to stick around if they're having success, um, right. you know. And I think with most of the kids that go to Alabama, I mean, 99% of the kids that I talk to, you know, it's always been about Nick Saban. Um, that's who they want to play for. I remember Julian Sain saying it last year. Um, 
when Bill O'Brien, you know, probably before Bill O'Brien even left, he told me, he said, I, you know, I didn't commit to Bill O'Brien. I committed to uh, Alabama and Nick Saban. I know that Bill O'Brien probably won't be there uh, my entire career. I don't even know if he'll be there for two years while I'm there, uh, but I'm making my decision based on Nick Saban and, uh, and the overall Alabama program. So that's what we kind of see with, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these kids that go to Alabama. Now it might be different elsewhere, but you know, you always hope that kids are making this, the decision based on the school they want to go to, not the assistant coach that they want to play for. Let's get to, um, let's get to the portal real quickly and then we'll talk 2025. Alabama with three portal additions so far. The big tackle from A&M to Quill Bertrand. Of course, Devontae Jackson, former really highly touted defensive back out of USC and LT Overton, uh, former, uh, you know, five star, uh, defensive lineman out of A&M. So again, Alabama's not going to just hoard it out of the portal the way that some schools do, but they're going to cherry pick and it looks like, uh, these are three really good additions. Yeah, and I, I think with uh, you know with all of them, um, you know they've got a lot of upside. Uh, I think with LT Overton, you get a you get a guy that you know six four six five two hundred and he's a little undersized at two hundred and fifty five two hundred and sixty pounds right now. But well, when he got to College Station, he was two hundred and eighty pounds. They made him lose a bunch of weight. I think Alabama's going to put that weight back on him. You know, you know more as a defensive end. Um, so it might take a little bit of time, but, uh, I think once he, you know, you kind of get to the season, see where he's at. And there's a guy that, you know, he's played a lot of snaps, uh, at Texas A&M. I think he's played in, you know, just about every single game, uh, the last two years, uh, started, I think four or five games. And then you got Damani Jackson, who started every game this season at USC, a cornerback, uh, you know, six foot one, 190 pounds, ran a Ten two in the ten two five in the one hundred meters in high school. So he's got a lot of speed. Uh, you know now he's coming to a program where he's going to get coached. Um, you know by Nick Saban, by Traveris Robinson, and um, you know I think he's got a chance to to really be something uh, something special. And then uh, Naquan Naquil uh, Bertrand. You know this is a you know, this is one of those kids that you know, is probably going to take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think Alabama recruited him or, or brought him in to, to come in and, and be an immediate starter. Um, now he could be. Uh, it depends on you know the, these next you know several months leading up to the season. But uh, yeah, he's a big kid, six foot six, three hundred and fifty pounds. Um, you know, went to A and M kind of early. I think he reclassified, went to A and M, uh, and you know really hadn't. You know, hit his stride yet, but he's kind of a developmental guy. Um, and I think you know, when Alabama missed out on, uh, Favor Edwin, uh, who ended up going to Auburn, you know, that was a kid that they felt like, you know, needed a year or two of development before he was going to be able to see the field and, and make an impact. So you can't always recruit guys that are, uh, you know, that want to start right away. You won't kind of recruit guys that understand that they need some time to, to get into a system to, to, you know, to develop. And I think that's kind of the, the situation here because most of these offensive linemen that you're going to go at and target in the portal or, you know, that enter the portal who are big names, those guys want to start right away. You know, they're, they're only looking to play. Um, and so when you go after a guy that might be a little bit more developmental, uh, you know, you can teach them, train them and develop him into, um, uh, 
you know, into a player in the next uh, you know year or two, and he's going to be okay with that. All right, let's get to 2025, and Alabama's off to a really good start. Seven commits, highly rated class uh, so far, and, um, you know, I mean, just the, the recruiting now, it's, you know, they're already working on 2026. You're still trying to tie up 2024, but 2025 is the major focus right now. Anything happening there that we want to keep our eyes on here over the next uh, few weeks? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing right now is um, what's going to happen at the quarterback position. Um, obviously, Alabama signed a pretty big one uh, this year in, uh, in Julian Stane. So, you know, how much is that going to affect Alabama in 2025? And, you know, they have a couple guys that are going to be making decisions soon. Uh, Bryce Underwood, uh, number one overall player uh, in the country out of uh, out of Michigan. Visited Alabama on that final weekend before the dead period as Alabama, Michigan, uh, LSU, Colorado, a few other schools in there. Um, do think it's probably coming down to Alabama and, and LSU for him. Uh, LSU's been kind of considered the favorite for the last couple months, and yeah, I think they still feel good, but you just – you never know. I know he had a great visit to Alabama. Kind of kept things pretty tight-lipped leading up to um, leading up to the announcement, which is going to happen on January the sixth, same day as um, as uh, Daniel Hill and Zay, and Zay Mincy. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're still watching that one pretty closely. George McIntyre, mm-hmm. uh, the quarterback, number two quarterback in the country out of um, Brentwood Academy in Tennessee, uh, he's going to be announcing here pretty soon uh, i talked to him the other night and he said he's not taking any more visits that he has finished with visits the uh, next thing that pops up is uh as a commitment so he has not set a date yet but uh we do think you know as of right now it's probably between alabama and uh in tennessee and tennessee's felt pretty good about it the whole time um but they know that alabama's in so we're going to be watching the Bryce Underwood situation pretty closely, obviously, uh, you know, because if he he commits to Alabama, then that's going to eliminate George McIntyre from, uh, from mm-hmm. going to Alabama. But if he commits to LSU, that's going to eliminate LSU from contention with George McIntyre because they've been in kind of that top three, top four uh, with him for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, there. But uh, as far as any other commitments, you know, we really don't you know, anticipate uh, anything else, and there's going to be some junior days that they're going to pop up uh, later this month. I think on the 20th, they're going to have uh, they're going to have kids in town. But um, they recently picked up a commitment from Javion Hilson, um, one of the top edge players in the 2025 class. Now they did lose Antonio Coleman, uh, defensive lineman out of Sarah Land, uh, who flipped to Auburn a couple weeks ago, but. Um, you know, they still have seven total commitments, number two ranked class in the country right now. Still off to, a, you know, obviously a really good start. But um, now that bowl season is over, it's time to kind of lock in and start focusing on this 2025 class and, you know, getting kids in town for junior days and, you know, trying to determine, you know, who they're really going to target in, uh, in this next recruiting class. Bone, uh, awesome update, man. Good to catch back up with you. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Antonio Coleman. Uh, just a real quick follow-up on him. It's, you know, still a long time till December. Um, any shot that Alabama can flip him back? Yeah, there's always a shot. I, I think that, you know, we're a long way away from the early signing period. You know, we've seen so many kids make decisions 
uh, early, I was saying this the other day, I, I remember when uh, Peyton Woodyard uh, announced his commitment to Georgia in uh, in January of last year. And, um, you know, four months later, he was back in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, you know, seven months later, he was on Alabama's commitment list. So, there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of time left, and uh, you know a lot will depend on how hard Alabama you know continues to go back after them and uh, recruit them. But you know they could easily you know over these next you know four or five months they could find players that that they feel are better and uh, you know, potentially land those guys. So uh, you just never know what might happen. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that was it was a little bit of a surprising loss because I don't think anybody on the Auburn side was. The, Expecting that to happen, at least from a reporter's standpoint, and um, you know we had not heard anything um, to suggest that he was on flip watch. And when we had just recently talked to him, you know, three or four weeks prior, and you know he acted like he was one hundred percent solid. But uh, you know how the recruiting game works these days. Yeah. Uh, know what might happen. Yeah, it's never over until it's over. Now with the portal, it's not even over then. Hey, Bone, awesome update. Real quick, uh, mention on how everybody can find you. Go check us out at BamaOnline.com. Um, we got it covered from team aspect, recruiting, everything you need, and uh, you can come talk to us every day on the BOL Roundtable. Outstanding. Thank you, Bone. Thanks, Gary. All right. We uh, went way over. That's okay, though. Uh, Justin's going to help me out, uh, and we're going to go ahead and close out this first hour. Uh, We'll double up our breaks here, and uh, when we come back, we'll be into hour number two. Uh, This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, and uh, stay with us. we got another hour of the Gary Harris Show coming up. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy and colder today. The chance of a little scattered light rain. The most widespread rain will be south of here, the high 45. Sky clearing tonight below 29. And tomorrow, a dry day, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 37 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Don't miss your... WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence will practice today on a limited basis as he continues to work through a shoulder injury. He is considered day-to-day, according to head coach Doug Peterson. Also involving Jacksonville, they have opened the 21-day practice window for receiver Christian Kirk to come off injured reserve. He's about four weeks removed from having muscle core surgery. With Kirk this season, the Jaguars are 8-4 and and scoring 24 points per game without them they're just one and three and scoring 18 points per game elsewhere in the nfl the brown side veteran offensive guard roger saffold to their practice squad in the nba on tuesday the thunder beat the top team in the league the celtics 127 to 123 shea gilgis alexander led with 36 points fifth straight win for okc they're now 29 and three the fourth best mark in the league West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 
There were scattered snow flurries falling across some areas of West Alabama this morning, but no accumulation as temperatures warm and rain moves in later. Two women, one a former employee, were arrested for burglarizing the Dollar General store on 69 South at Maxwell Loop Road early this morning. 29-year-old Monica Carter, the former employee, and 33-year-old Shakisha Gray were found by K-9 units laying face down in a creek one and a half miles from the store. The annual meeting and awards celebration for the Chamber of Commerce in West Alabama is set for February the 1st. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. Gary Harris, Justin Jones for another hour. This hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. Paul Patterson is a graduate of the University of Alabama School of Law. He's based in Tuscaloosa. You can reach him at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer, also a graduate of the University of Alabama School of Law. He is in Northport, 205-759-3939. Both of these gentlemen are outstanding individuals, terrific attorneys, and they'll be with you all of the way. If you need a personal injury attorney, you need Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Dedicated to serving the clients 24 hours a day. Uh, we invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, 18-wheeler accidents, automobile accidents. Our business is to take care of your needs. Patterson Comer, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. we got high on hoops coming up at 1030, but right now we're going to lead off the second hour jumping out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. Remember, Krispy Kreme hot and fresh right now. Let's uh, visit with our pal Tom. Hey, good morning, Tom. Hey, Gary. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. You know, I forgot to mention it yesterday, and I know you already know it. But did you see where Kale Yarbrough had passed away? You know, I did, and I'm glad. But I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it because it 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 slipped my mind. I did see it, but with all the stuff going on with you know the oh, Rose yeah, Bowl yeah. and uh, but no, I'm glad you mentioned it. And we can talk about Kale uh, a moment because as you know, I started my. TV career out in the early 80s over at Channel 40 in Anniston. And, of course, you know, the Talladega Super Speedway was just obviously just up up the road. And uh, so I was a kid, basically, uh, but covering those races and got to interview Kelly Arbroil. And the thing I remember about him, um, and this is not newsflash to anybody that follows NASCAR, but he was what you would call a, a man's man. He was, uh, he was uh, you know, he was an alpha male. He was... Um, he was, you know, athletic. He was, I remember, you know, uh, walking down in the pits and going by the haulers and he was sitting out in front of his hauler. You know, those racing, um, uniforms that wear kind of one piece. You know what I mean? And he had, uh, right. he had taken, he unzipped the front part of his racing uniform and it pulled it down to his waist and he was sitting there in a lawn chair, uh, with basically his shirt off and, you know, cause it was pulled down. And he had his racing pullovers on and, uh, you know, drinking a, drinking an adult beverage, we'll say, drinking a beer. And you could just see that he was, um, 
you know, he was tough and he was a hard racer and uh, a terrific racer, as a lot of those guys were. And, of course, you know, his fight with the Allison brothers at the 79 Daytona 500 really probably is what just rocketed NASCAR into public consciousness as a TV sport. You know, it, it just because at that point in time, uh, you know, Tom, more than me, because you're a little older than me. In the 70s, 60s and 70s, NASCAR was still what you kind of call a niche sport. You know what I mean? It was still basically a regional sport. Uh, it was, you know, the southeastern part of the country with a you know few little places spotted around. But it was not what it is now. Uh, but Kel Yarborough was, uh, uh, you know, a, a man's man. And, and um, you know, I think won three uh, NASCAR series championships and, you know, a lot of races and, uh, a lot of races. <laughs> he was one of those guys that, you know, like a lot of those guys, they, they, they'd run you over back in that day. It was, it was, uh, it was oh, not yeah. a, you know, so yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, I, I really, uh, as I really started getting into NASCAR in the, in the late seventies into the early eighties, um, you know, Kelly Yarborough was one of those guys, you know, it was, it was meant to have some personalities and I'm not saying they don't have personalities now, but not like they did in those days. You know what I mean? Because in those days, you didn't have to be as oh, yeah. correct either. But, no, thanks for mentioning that Kel Yarbrough passed on New Year's Eve, and and um, he was um, he was a good one. I thought that uh, he was one of the guys. You know, he drove for Junior. He sure for, did. Uh, yeah, yeah. A long time for NASCAR team, and, uh, and, and they used to tickle me as uh, – <clears throat> they'd get into it. And, uh, and, uh, Kale thought, you know, that they ought to be doing this. And Junior, and rightfully so, Junior thought he knew all the answers and he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was, there was very little about a race car Junior Johnson didn't either know or invent. He invented most everything you see on a race car now. And, uh, <clears throat> but they'd get into it. It was funny. But, you know, Kale, the, the thing about him was that, you know, he took NASCAR and he was successful as a racer, but he parlayed his career in NASCAR over to the business world. And when O'Kale left here last week, you know what? He doesn't carved out himself to a worth of, uh, $50 million. Really? He had a $50 yeah. million? Dollar, uh, yeah. And I, I got, I looked at that and I went, you know, how did that happen? Cause those persons, they wasn't you know, the deals that they were making for drivers back then were nowhere near what they are now. And uh, so I was curious, and I started digging, and uh, Kale had taken his money and bought him a farm, and he had started uh, several uh, different kinds of agricultural companies related to farming and uh, stuff like that, fertilizer and all. And he, he ended up making a fortune off of... Uh, off of that, and I, I said, well, wonder how he compares to Junior Johnson. You know, Junior, and, and it's not really no telling what Junior had in cash money buried out behind his house, all, all that bootlegging money he made, but he was worth five million, but Kale was worth fifty million. Jeez. Well, like I said, the thing I remember about Kale was, you know, he was, uh, alpha male, as I said, very was a, you know, not that it, some of these, you know, listen, uh, Dale Jarrett's a terrific golfer and, you know, some of these guys are athletes, but some of them outside of a car are not very athletic. But Kelly Yarborough was a great football player. He was a, he was a Golden Gloves boxer, uh, just a tremendous athlete in addition to being a race yeah. car driver. And yeah, man, he was a, you know, it's just, it's unfortunately, um, 
You know, Tom, we're losing these guys, and we're going to be losing more and more oh, of them. Yeah. These, these, it's these, a sad yeah. day. That's the thing right there. You know, thinking back over the years of Kale and Buddy Baker and all Pearson those guys, and Petty Bobby, and Bobby and Johnny and yep. Neil, and, 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 you know, they brought uh, – they may not ever admit it, but uh, they're the one. They brought uh, Rick Hendrick and Dale Earnhardt, Martin Martin, all that crowd right there. You know, they kind of brought those guys up and showed them the ropes and all that kind of stuff. I remember uh, them uh, racing, you know, at Talladega and whatnot and how good they were. And uh, uh, But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting about Kale and, you know, how good he was in business. So, you know, you were talking about athletes, but, you know, Kyle Petty was an outstanding football player in high school. And he had, like, 10 or 15 offers to play college football when uh when he graduated high school and he of course you know his road was paved uh, for racing already so he turned all that down there uh dale jarrett did too he was a great uh football player yeah yeah jarrett's an unbelievable athlete and of course carl edwards is a terrific athlete and and uh but anyway hate to hate to lose kale and like i said unfortunately um you know we've already lost uh you know Buddy Baker and David Pearson and and um, you know it goes uh, you know thankfully Richard Petty's still with us but you know the Allison brothers are still with us but you know we're going to be yeah. losing you know more of course obviously lost Dale Senior to a accident at Daytona. Well, but, uh, one of Kale's one of Kale's daughters had uh, posted uh, that she was glad that uh, I think the Allison had uh, made a trip over to see Kale and. Uh, different ones. So uh, some people got Kyle. to see him. Some some of his contemporaries yeah, yeah, got to see him they, before I he passed. Well, not, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the thing. I it, uh, it, two and two together after the fact, but uh, uh, evidently they had found out you know things wasn't going well, and and they had all went over there to see him. So anyway, I, I, I thought about that, and I thought just checking with you see if you knew it. Well, I did. I'm glad you called it in, uh, though, and we talked about him some. So, and I'm glad that Allison's got to go see him. Thank you, Tom. See you, buddy. All right, let's stay on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and visit with Marty up in Arkansas. Hey, Marty. Hey, Gary. How you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I messed up on the football. It was still old-fashioned football. It was. It still ran 1950 on us. They were just a little bit more physical, but I don't, I don't blame Reese or them and that on, you know, everyone wants to throw Reese under the bus because of that. I mean, Metwell always had to look down for the ball. When he looked up, they were right on him. That was like the last play of the game. He still had to look down for the ball. And I think they were going to throw it out to the side. But when he come up, with his head come up, everybody was right there. I mean, he, he can, it was a whole team effort. It wasn't just Melrose or the center back there. The, the receivers couldn't get no separation, and we couldn't have time to throw long. We had our chances at 431. If we get a first down there, we make them use their timeouts, and then uh, we kick them the football, and they only got about two minutes to drive, maybe the length of field to tie the game. It, we had our chances. We just didn't execute like Said. Agree, hundred percent. Had 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 opportunities, and, and uh, you know, this games like young. that. Yeah, it comes I just down. hope we don't lose too many in a transfer portal. But 
we won't know how many we'll lose till really in the spring when when after the spring game find out who's starting who's not starting and what the new quarterback coming from California how good he is and that so there's where a lot of a lot of issues will come up in the spring more than right now I think but well, let me ask you one, sure. one quick question Gary. go ahead are we gonna hold serving basketball tonight on our home court uh well, I'm going to have Bart Heights on. You cannot lose no home game this year. The SEC is too strong. You got to be, you got to win every, every, every home game to, to really try to win the championship. Yeah. Now they don't, you know, they strong, don't. Auburn's strong. My Razorbacks, they think they're strong, but they're not. They're not my Razorbacks. I ate my friend this morning. I told them they ain't going to win tonight. Yeah. Well, you know, now got... Alabama doesn't play until Saturday, Marty. They play, Alabama they play. Alabama not winning. I said, well, how many of y'all won? 1964, you got a game to you. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I, wear my, I wore my 18 shirt. I said, we just couldn't get number Yeah, nine. you're right. We'll uh, but Alabama men's basketball, you know, they don't play until Saturday at Vanderbilt. Oh, they don't play till, till Saturday? Right, right. They're, they're off this week. They'll play. They open up at. Oh, I thought they played South Carolina tonight. No, they play, South right, Carolina next, they play South Carolina next Tuesday. They open at Vanderbilt on Saturday, and that's a game, quite frankly, they should win. So, uh, yeah. they should win All at right. Vanderbilt. And, okay, yeah. thanks for that. I gotta, I gotta get on my computer and get the schedule printed <laughs> off. All I right, Marty. I'm sorry, Jerry. No worries, thanks man. For hey, y'all have a great day. And roll tide. Thank you, sir. Uh, roll tide to you. All right, 1016 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, I want to remind you, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and the University Mall, uh, open for business. The uh, holidays are over, but wanting to look your best as a gentleman is never, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's holidays or what month it is. If you want to look your best, Tom and the folks there, they can they can outfit you with the latest suits, the latest Sports coats, ties, dress shirts, shoes, whatever it, it, it means, uh, uh, you know, to look good, they can, they can help you. And, uh, belts, uh, everything's available there. And of course, obviously that one of a kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. You got to get by and see it to believe it. T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. All right. We're going to get to a timeout. We've got, uh, Bart Heights on hoops coming up at 1030. So we'll jump more into basketball talk then. Uh, but we're open for phone calls on the, Krispy Kreme Donuts Hotline, 205-342-9904, and we'll be right back after this. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information free has evolved it will always be that place to escape and have a good time whether it's for a game day weekend to reminisce on college days or to create new memories if you're looking for a good time there's only one thing to do head to the free at 1925 university boulevard and don't forget about the lucky lunch meat and three special monday through friday from 11 a.m until 2 p.m get a meat and free vegetables for just 849 or for a lighter appetite try the lucky lunch soup salad or sandwich combo i'll see you at the free if you lose this old colony golf course is an 18 hole championship layout designed by 1976 u.s open champion jerry pate director of golf john gray and fitting specialist bob montgomery are pga certified mike shivitz is the head professional and director of the tuscaloosa junior golf program call today to secure a tee time at the tuscaloosa championship golf course everyone can play 205-562-3201 old colony is operated by para 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy and colder today. The chance of a little scattered light rain. The most widespread rain will be south of here, the high 45. The sky clearing tonight, the low 29. And tomorrow, a dry day, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 38 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Now's the time to get fit. The YMCA has a great special going on right now. The entire month until January 31st, join the Y and you don't have to pay a joining fee. Just just join. No no joining fee. You get right into your monthly membership. It's a great time of the year to start getting fit. It's the new year. Spring will be here before you know it. Uh, no joining fee right now at the Y until January 31st or through January 31st. YMCA of Tuscaloosa downtown, 2313th Street. Call 205-345-9622. YMCA Tuscaloosa is a terrific facility. I've been a member over 20 years. Why don't you join me? All right. We're wide open for phone calls in this segment on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. Talking basketball in the next uh, segment with uh, Bart Heitch on hoops. Uh, but speaking of Alabama basketball, since uh, Marty called in from Arkansas again to make sure we're clear on the schedule, uh, Alabama played Liberty on Saturday, blew out the Flames over in Birmingham at Legacy Arena in the CM Newton Classic 101-56. They do not play again until this Saturday. No midweek game this week. The SEC starts its conference schedule a lot later than most conferences. So Alabama's at Vanderbilt on Saturday afternoon at 2.30. That is an SEC network game. So you can see it on, on the SEC network. And then they play their first SEC home game Tuesday night at 6 o'clock against South Carolina over at Coleman Coliseum. And then on Saturday the 13th, they're at Mississippi State. Then back home on another Tuesday night at 6 p.m. game against Missouri. Uh, then a road game at Tennessee. And then at least for the Auburn home game, that is a 6.30 Wednesday game, which I think is a lot better for fans um, to play not only is it 30 minutes later, but it is also a um, 6.30 game, and it's a Wednesday night. I think Wednesday's better than Tuesday nights for most people. So, But anyway, you know, it kind of is what it is. Interesting note on the Auburn series this year, uh, it's going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. They play Auburn January 24th at Coleman Coliseum. Then turn around, Justin, and play them again February 7th at Neville Arena down in Auburn. So they're going to play twice uh, in two weeks, in a two-week period, which is kind of kind of odd. So you won't be, you know, if you're able to win that home game, you won't be able to enjoy it too long before you go right back down to, to Auburn. But, uh, you know, this is what it's all about. This is the conference schedule now. You know, Alabama's 8-5, and five, uh, played a really tough schedule. They're a good team. And uh, but they're going to need to make some hay in the uh, in the conference. Uh, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. They're going to need to have a, a good conference slate. And with their Ken Palm ranking, um, you know, if they can, you know, be over 500 in the league, they should be in good shape for the NCAA tournament. Of course, you want to be, you know, you want to win as many games as you can, and you want to compete for an SEC championship uh, because you want your seeding to be very high. And, of course, Alabama's won two of the last three SEC regular season and tournament championships. So 
you know, this is an opportunity for them now to kind of uh, take all those games that they played in the non-conference schedule, all those tough teams away from home, and parlay that into to getting on a run here <clears throat> in the SEC. I think they're going to win these first two games. I know South Carolina's got a great record, but, um, you know, they have not played a tough schedule. I think you start out 2-0 and and then um, go to Mississippi State. It's going to be tough. I think you got to win your home games and try to get a few on the road. And if you can do that, you're going to be fine. So, but we'll get into the, the basketball discussion with a little bit more of Bart Heights coming up in the next segment. Back to football and, um, you know, all the discussion now with the portal and wrapping up recruiting and the coaching staff. I don't, um, you know, I don't know what is going to be exactly the makeup of this roster. At, you know, really at any school, because it's still gonna, it's still gonna change. Alabama's gonna have, have more players going to the portal. They have to have Justin. Right now, the way it's set up, they're like 90 scholarships. And you know, you can't be but at 85, uh, for the season. So I think that, um, I think they're gonna look at, at, you know, roster management. I, I don't think that, in my opinion, I think there'll be more coaching staff changes. I just think there'll be, you know, one or two coaches that either move on or, 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 you know, or, maybe reassigned, I think that there'll be a different makeup of the coaching staff to some degree for 2024. So that's the nature of the game for all teams. I do believe that Alabama's roster is going to be strong, strong, strong. And I think that they're going to be a top five preseason team in 2024. And uh, I think the offensive line should be better. Uh, I do expect J.C. Latham to move on, but I still think the offensive line is going to be better. I think that uh, obviously Jalen Milrow is going to have a year of experience under his belt. I think the running back situation, even if they do lose uh, Roydell Williams and Jace McClellan, I think when you bring back Justice Haynes and you bring back Jam Miller and you bring back Richard Young, they're going to be really good there. And I think I think they're going to be better at the wide receiver position. I really do. I expect Jermaine Burton to leave, but I still think that they'll have more numbers there at wide receiver. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if they had a wide receiver out of the portal. Uh, defensively, um, you know, Turner's going to go. I don't know for sure what Braswell's going to do, but, you know, they're going to be looking for some edge rushers. I, I do think the defensive line on the interior has got a lot of guys back. Uh, Boydby's a big loss, but I think at the same time, they'll, they'll have good numbers there. I do think that production needs to be a little better, a little bit better for the defensive line. I really do. I think, I think the production needs to be a little bit better. Um, Linebackers should be solid, and and the secondary, even with Kool-Aid McKinstry more than likely leaving, I still think there's a shot that uh, Terry and Arnold could come back, but if he leaves, but I think they've recruited really well on the back end there. So this is going to be a really good team. Burnup the punter has established himself now as one of the better punters in the country. You will have to replace Will Reichard, who has just been money as a place kicker, although they signed Connor Talty last year, highly rated uh, kicker out of Chicago. So, but replacing, uh, you know, Reichard was, was money in that in that national championship game and that 52 yard field goal that he hit late to give Alabama a seven point lead we thought might be you know enough to to give Alabama the win um it didn't happen but I like this Alabama roster for 2024 and you know you still got Nick Saban as the head coach I've had some people message me about coordinators I think Kevin Steele and and Tommy Reese will both be back that's my that's my uh, opinion my my assumption and uh you know, only time will tell. Again, at all these schools, there's so much, there's so much movement. There's so much, uh, instability for every program as soon as the season is over because you don't know, again, how many guys are going to get to the portal. Um, 
you know, how many guys are you going to take from the portal? It's much more fluid than it used to be. I mean, you know, used to you locked your, your roster down and, and, um, you know, it was other than players leaving for the NFL or the player that wanted to transfer and, you know, sit out a year. Um, most of the time your roster came back pretty much intact and that's not, that's not the case anymore. So times are different. All right, 1028 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll talk uh, more basketball with High Chon Hoops. We'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. From our home base in covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well, the Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Talking basketball, and when we do that, uh, we turn to Heights on Hoops. Barn Heights uh, always keeps us uh, up to date on the latest and the greatest in uh, college basketball with an emphasis on the SEC, brought to you by NextGameHoops.com. And Bart never is in one place for very long, and uh, we know every week. We don't know where he's going to pop at. Right now he's joining us from the Walker-Jefferson County line off uh, I-22. Good morning, Bart. Morning, Gary. I am in between cell towers. Very experienced move from the scouting report to get to the stopping place that so we'd have service. I'm ready to go. Well, you know the roads, and like you said, as much as you've traveled them, you know where you can get yourself on service, and you know where you can't. So I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you found the area that we're safe to talk to you, man. I'm so glad we're finally going to play some SEC basketball this weekend. My gosh, it's time. Uh, let's uh, recap last night quickly. Just a couple more tune-up games uh, for Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, Tennessee took care of basket, uh, took care of business against Norfolk State, 87-50, and Auburn uh, cleaned up at home against Penn, 88-68. So uh, that little last little bit of house cleaning and now we can play some some sec basketball this weekend let's start with alabama you know and most of the time if you had looked at the schedule and said you were opening up in nashville at memorial gym against vanderbilt you'd say yeah lord that may be that's probably a loss not this year i mean alabama needs to go in there and win that game because vanderbilt's not good absolutely vanderbilt's had a couple of home losses uh i expect vanny to play well this weekend actually um i think home sec you can flip the script it's a new year I think Stack's fighting for his job, um, and they just haven't played well. Like a Presbyterian loss at home, Western Carolina loss at home. Uh, they've got to play better. And Alabama typically plays okay uh, in Nashville the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you that it's a difficult place to play. You know how I feel about that place. I love Memorial. Uh, a lot of people don't. But Alabama's got to defend the basket. Um, they got to rebound the basketball. And Vandy has not really shown signs of, of being great in either one of those departments. Alabama needs to take care of this one, though, because those losses, they've got numerous losses. You're still top 15 in Kempom, and that's a big deal. Ole Miss is undefeated, only team in the league undefeated, and they're number 80. Alabama's number, it's like 13 or something like that now. But you can't start piling up losses against these teams you're supposed to beat in the SEC, and you got to protect your home court. It starts Saturday for Alabama. Indeed it does. And, uh, you know, you win that when you get South Carolina. I know they got a great record, but uh, you get them at home on Tuesday night. It's a really good opportunity for Alabama to start 2-0 and before they go to Mississippi State uh, a week from a week from Saturday. Uh, this past game for Alabama against Liberty, you and I both talked last week. You know, we didn't we didn't discount Liberty at all, but, my gosh, Alabama just annihilated them over at uh, Legacy Arena in the Seam Newton Classic. 
if you let Alabama get comfortable offensively, uh, especially early in games and they make a couple of shots and yeah. now you have a crowd factor, um, yeah, Alabama basketball now has a brand that's known for scoring, um, crowd getting into it, runs in bunches, and they just got it rolling and it was not going to stop. But I expect that. I actually expect to see, you know, Gary, some blowouts this year on the other team's home floor. Um, even in a competitive league sometimes, when you go to places that expectation levels are high, you've had great recruiting classes, um, and you're nationally known now, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, you need to watch out for that team. I think teams are going to play a lot better at home, and I think the home court advantage is going to be more immense than we've seen in a lot of years, even in a competitive league. Alabama's going to win the games at home. I don't think there's any questions about question about that, as a lot of teams will. Can they go on the road and win the ones that they're supposed to? Um, I think so. Uh, I do. I, I expect them to play well. I think this game will be a lot closer than people think this weekend. I think it'll be come down to the end, free throw shooting uh, at the end. But I think Alabama somehow finds a way Saturday to start 1-0. and And then I expect them to win at home and go 2-0. and Because South Carolina and Ole Miss were those two teams that now they're getting to SEC play. We're going to see what they're really all about. Let's get into some of these openers because I tell you, there's a couple of matchups I think are really intriguing. And, uh, you, you, you probably know them before I even Nervous call them giggle. out. Very, very nervous giggle. <laughs> well, I want to start with Ole Miss and Tennessee because uh, yeah. Ole Miss is is thirteen and zero, and and the Chris Beard factor is is full speed. But man, let's be honest they they haven't played the, the schedule that most of these SEC teams have had to play, and now you're opening on the road in Knoxville uh, against Tennessee on a um, Saturday evening. I you know I don't expect Ole Miss to win that game, but um, you know maybe they could. I mean, what do you what do you see from Ole Miss and Tennessee? Um, Ole Miss, I, I fully expect them to go in and play well. I think there's a belief now. I don't know if they shoot it well enough. You know, they just haven't. They got their biggest wins over Memphis. Now, Memphis does has a couple have a couple of wins over SEC. They teams, do, yeah. Which I think bodes well, but that's really it. Central Florida is their other big win. Haven't really beaten anybody. Um, and like I said, like I said earlier, Mississippi is still way up above like 75 in the Kim Palm or somewhere around in there. So. These are the games that, you know, they're opportunities, though. Your opportunities to play teams that are ranked. This is a top-five matchup, top-five team. I do think it's a dangerous spot for Ole Miss. Tennessee is really tough at home, hard to get buckets against them. You saw what they did last night. Just got it rolling offensively. And Tennessee's a lot better team at home, Gary. Uh, but we've seen teams stumble in those first SEC games. I don't expect it here. Uh, that The pivotal game for Ole Miss, I do think they lose this weekend, is that next game with Florida coming in at home. Those are the type games like the Ole Miss Alabama, Ole Miss Florida, um, you know Missouri uh, Alabama, Mississippi State Florida. Those those mid tier teams. Who's going to step up in that next level as NCAA tournament teams? Because I think we've got eight or nine in the league uh, that can win. But Ole Miss and South Carolina, they have a lot of wins. They just, I mean, see, people don't realize South South Carolina should be undefeated right now. Barely lost to Clemson at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Should have won the game. Alabama fans are very familiar with that Clemson team. A lot of people would mm-hmm. say they're a tournament team for sure. So it's just a mix of, can you, again, can you protect your home court and can you go steal a couple on the road? Those are the teams you're going to see sneak in that eighth, ninth spot NCAA tournament-wise when we get to February and March. Another matchup that, uh, man, I can't wait for this one, um, is Auburn at Arkansas. Because, oh, uh, yeah. you know, um, 
two in-your-face type coaches. Arkansas certainly has had mixed results in the non-conference, but uh, they're opening it at home against a really good Auburn team. But you know, you know, Arkansas says, "Yeah, we got to win this one." This is this is our home SEC opener. Uh, but Auburn's certainly going in there. I know Bruce Pearl's telling his team, "Listen, man, you can beat this team. Uh, they're they're inconsistent." Um, what do you see out of this matchup? Well, I see right now I've got Auburn as the number two, not three. I think Auburn got to put Tennessee up there, I guess, Gary. Uh, Auburn's number three trending, you know, being one of those better teams in the SEC to me. Uh, right now, I've had them right there with A&M, deciding whether I want to put them top tier or middle tier yet, because A&M hadn't shown me what I really want to see out of them. I'm going to tell you something about Arkansas, Gary. They just got a guy back, transferred from Washington, <laughs> Netafield. Um, people need to start getting used to this name. Um, 35 minutes, 8 of 14, 3 of 7 from three-point range, 32 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, for the guard from Arkansas. Game changer then. Got back a couple of games a lot. Oh my gosh. He's, they're a completely different team. Um, and the matchup with him and Holloway plus Donaldson, because they'll both get some action with him. I think that's a very big matchup. Also, I want to see, I think Broom, you know, he stepped out last night and made three three pointers. That completely changes the game for Auburn. Nobody's talking about Jalen Williams. He's been there long enough to have tenure. They've got, you know, double-name guys coming off the bench now scoring 16 points, transfers. They've got FIU or FAU transfers um, that just literally – like Baker was – Baker Mendoza was great last night for them. Denver Jones was great for them last night. He's going six, seven, eight, can go 10 deep. It's not just about making shots either. I mean, they can find matchups. Jalen Williams is always a matchup nightmare. So is Broom. This Auburn team's legit. I don't necessarily – them to win this weekend. I think it'll be close. There'll be a run in this game, Gary, in the second half. Who has it? Auburn, Arkansas. Those games at Arkansas always come down to that in the second half. Um, I like Arkansas second half-wise. If they stay out of foul trouble, Arkansas longer can dominate the boards in this game. That'll be a key as well. But I like Auburn after about week four or five to still be three and two, four and one, and at the top of the SEC somehow, even if they lose this weekend. You already talked about South Carolina a little bit. Your Mississippi State Bulldogs go to Columbia. Uh, that's an early tip on, on Saturday, 11 a.m. Central. And I've always, you know, having traveled with Mark Godfrey them a year, I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I think morning basketball games on the road are tough, but, uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi State's got to get ready to go against the Gamecocks on Saturday morning. That's a tough place to play, Gary, and a lot of people don't realize that just those early games can be iffy, especially when you're on the road now. For for Mississippi State right now, the last two games have probably been two of the best games. I mean, have really locked in, really played well, got Tolu Smith back, mm-hmm. which is huge. He had 12-7, and seven, three blocks. You'll not see Jimmy Bell as much, but I, 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 don't, li- I don't like this game being the opener just because I know what it's like to play at that place, and I know how weird it can be. Um but I think you're going to see Chris Jan's team possibly make a statement this weekend. We'll know real quick was the Southern game that, the, that you know, I know blew your mind and blew so many of our minds. It's going to be a black mark, a, a, a black eye on this team all year. You know, the Georgia Tech loss doesn't hurt, but that one really just stings. Is this team back to what we thought? He's shortened the rotation. He's going with the veterans. Added Josh Hubbard. Um, added some Trey Fort. Both of those guys can shoot the basketball. Going to be eight or nine deep for State. I expect Mississippi State to play well this weekend. Um, I expect them to lock down late in the first half and probably early in the second half, probably see a run to stretch a lead 
maybe pull out by 10. I do think Mississippi State wins this weekend. Um, but if not, this is a South Carolina team that immediately puts themselves with a win this weekend in the conversation for the SEC, or for the NCAA tournament. These are the type of games I was talking about. you got to win them at home, and you got to steal them on the road. Hi, John Hoops. Uh segment here on the Gary Harris Show. Bart Heights breaking it all down. Uh, when you look at Kentucky at Florida, uh, you know, I, I think we both feel like Kentucky is is loaded. And you would think on paper they would win this game. But that's another tricky place to play. And Cal sometimes, you know, uh, on the road, his team will underachieve. Do you see Florida having a shot in this one? I mean, when it's there, I think you've always got a shot. Um, Florida hasn't been shooting free throws well, um, and I think that's something that Todd Golden is very serious about. He was serious about it last year when they started making their runs. You remember with Castleton, um, he got hurt, and that was pretty much the end of their season, or they would have probably been a tournament team coming off that Mississippi State win on the road last year that was so big. They're just – I don't know if they're long enough, um, Gary. I mean, they're having a hard, hard, hard time stopping people at the rim. Richard made some shots this weekend. Uh, Will Richard, he's been there a while. 22 points for him. He needs to shoot it well. I, I like their pieces. I like the kid from Australia. I like the transfer from Iona. I just think Kentucky is the best team in the league, and I think it's a danger game because they're hungry. I think Cal has got them believing that they are finally the Kentucky that he's been wanting them to be before February. Got his pieces back. Defensively is the key. If Florida wants to win this game, they're going to have to somehow turn Kentucky over a little bit. I don't really know how you do that yet, as deep as they are, um, and maybe make Kentucky get into an up-tempo game. If this is a half-court game, the length will be too much if Kentucky's defense can get set up. Florida needs to score an early transition and or mix in some pressures, somehow get Kentucky running outside of their comfort zone. But the problem is when you get to running with Kentucky, if they're making shots, they're also dynamic as well. But I expect Kentucky big on the road this weekend. I don't think that's going to be one of the road uh, games that you see. I actually think you might see Florida lose to Kentucky at home and then win at Ole Miss next week. That could oh, go wow. to the depth of the league and see how um, that game, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Florida, to me, is as pivotal early game uh, in the season. I think that game will come back to matter uh, later in the year. But Florida at home, you usually like them. I just think this Kentucky team is really good, man. All right, quick word on the two other SEC openers, Georgia at Missouri and LSU at A&M. Mike White's got them playing better, um, but out there, I just think home. Uh, you haven't heard a lot about Missouri. they got a big recruiting class coming in next year. If you want to keep that recruiting class, you've got to start winning games, especially like this at home. I like Missouri at home and Coach Gates this weekend. We haven't talked a lot about them. It's just that they haven't been relevant. They haven't really beaten anybody, but you had chances in the SEC um, to, you know, to go and, and, and do – you got to start early, Gary. You know, you can't get behind the eight ball. Last year, Mississippi State was one of those teams that was very, very, very fortunate in getting behind the eight ball and being able to, you know, get their way out of it. I think you need to see A&M play well tomorrow and build confidence at home. They need to develop against LSU tomorrow a home dynamic that nobody wants to go out west and play them. That hasn't always been the case. Um, and I just I think they haven't really been healthy all year. They've gotten Coleman back. Now they've got Bradford back. Um, but their pieces just Taylor hasn't been able to distribute well enough because they haven't played game speed together well enough. I think you'll see Hefner start to make some shots. He might make a couple this weekend. They need to get him going. I don't think A&M has any problem. I don't think Missouri has any problem. But I would say this, um, Mike White's team, if he's going to be the guy at Georgia, 
These are the type games they've got to go win. As a former player, as a coach in this league for a long time, he's made the statement this team, this league is as deep as it possibly has ever been coaching-wise. you got to go steal some on the road, especially early, um, if Mike White's team wants to be relevant come February. Bart Heights with us talking SEC basketball last year as a 14-team league. Of course, next season, uh, Texas and Oklahoma will join the fray. This year, though, uh, when you look at the NCAA tournament, uh, how many teams do you see the SEC? You know, how many bids do you see out of this league this year? Just as we head into conference play, what's your what's your In, guessing point? I don't think you see Ole Miss and South Carolina get in. I think Florida uh, and a Mississippi State, you know, and an Alabama. Alabama's going to have a lot of losses at the end of this thing. They're going to be right there, uh, but I do think they'll get in. Uh, Tennessee, yes. A and M, yes. Um, you know, Kentucky, obviously. Nine right now with, with the total being at eight and a half. Um, you know, trending toward eight being a very comfortable, good league. Um, but man, you know, like our boy Dane Bradshaw said, I told y'all, 12 out of 14 have a shot right now. You're going to see each teams like really, really, really beat each other up throughout the course of the year. And one big thing as always, Gary, injury. Injuries are always a huge deal. Who can stay healthy throughout the course of the year? And are you deep enough if you do sustain, uh, sustain some injuries to overcome it with guys stepping into those roles? Monday night, we wrap up the uh, college football season with a national championship game. Uh, again, you and I have talked a lot about the November-December basketball, the calendar of sports is so convoluted, so much football. But, I, you know, I guess I would like to think uh, beginning this weekend and by, you know, the midweek games next week that it, it finally is going to feel like basketball season and, and that the SEC basketball can kind of take over the, uh, um, you know, the, the main – agendas for sports fans in this part of the country because it seems like this no matter how good you are or, or not it's just it's just this november and december basketball just does not seem to move people the way that uh i would like it to but i guess finally in, in january and february maybe we'll get uh, we'll get basketball out front i think so you know i think it's where we live you know i've told you numerous times you know, I'm, I'm a football guy too man football was my favorite sport to ever play competitively uh without question high school football but it's 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 where we are. It's where we live, and the significance of Alabama, Gary, always being in the, in the championships. You know, Auburn's been here and there a couple of times. Um, but you know, that always keeps us focused on uh, because that's you know it's it's intriguing and important to people around where we're from, um, regardless of who you're for. Same time, you know, I love basketball, and I, I'm I'm always happy for basketball to get here. But I'd like to see my boy Michael Penix and Adunze um, and 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 Dylan. Uh, our old Mississippi State running back finished this thing out. I've been on Washington since week five. My boy Mike Grace owes me a steak dinner at Hall's Chop House <laughs> because I said a Pac-12 team would be in the final. Uh, and I think it was just those two games, you know, regardless of who you were a fan for, were awesome uh, as far as like the the competitiveness and you know, how they ended and being you know, in the intrigue of college football. But yes, Gary, I'm a basketball guy. I'm he- I'm here for it. I'm excited about it. I do think the SEC has an opportunity to be the best league in the country this year by the end of the year. Uh, and so I think we all need to pay attention to it. And, you know, when I hear guys say, like, oh, nobody cares about basketball, nobody. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, they I know do. you're one of those guys. And just thank you so much for always pushing it. And uh, Roll Tide, War Eagle, Go Dogs, uh, all that stuff to all the basketball teams. And let's have a good year. Yeah, and the good news is that Dylan Johnson looks like he's going to be able to play for Washington because I'm, I'm with you. He's had a he's had a terrific year for them. One final question on basketball. Uh, I know Purdue's number one in the AP poll, you know, Kansas, Houston, UConn, you know, usual suspects, Kentucky's uh, six, Tennessee five. Going into conference play for most of these, some of these conferences, of course, have already started. But going into January, who's the best team in the country in your opinion? 
Houston. Um, really? I like them. I like Purdue. I like Houston right now. I just I think they're going to have a different hunger, man. I think it's time. Yeah, right? it is time. Football. <laughs> it's just kind of time that we see them get over that hump. You know, they are. I mean, he has never been as fiery as as he has now. Cat Sampson is. Um, they have you know the number one uh, guard defender. Uh, Shit is the number one guard defender in the country, man. Just turn the game on and watch him play defense on the perimeter. Alabama's got fans have seen it for a couple of years. Auburn fans have seen it. I like Houston. I do like this for two team. I don't think UConn will be out of it. Uh, but right now, man, if there's anybody I don't want to play because I just think it's time, it's Pasta Amajama in Houston. And uh, catch us up on everything you got going on. Yeah, man, we got some high school games coming up. I'm going to lock all those down the dates. You and I, I'm getting you on in the game in Tuscaloosa. I don't know exactly which ones we're going to do yet, some high school games. Uh, but I'm doing South Alabama this week. I got Thursday, Saturday. South Alabama's playing really well, for those who don't know. They went big road win at Old Dominion. And then we're just getting geared up for high school basketball. Podcast tonight. It'll be posted. NGH Podcast. Heights on Hoops will be talking basketball with a couple of local coaches. So, man, just go to my Twitter, at BHeights22 or at Heights Hoops on Instagram. And you can find out everything we're doing. It is a lot. And thank you all for uh, supporting us. Appreciate it, Bart. Thanks, sir. All right, 1051. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back and uh, wrap up the show. We'll have time to get a phone call in, though, on the Krispy uh, Kreme Donuts hotline. If you want to give us a ring at 205-342-9904, and then we'll get ready to turn you over to uh, the Miller's Edge at 11 a.m. We'll be right back after this. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. All right, we're going to continue our coverage on Tuesday afternoon. We're going to recap Alabama, Michigan. It'll all be presented by Taco Casa, Chicken Salad Chick, Blue Spring Living Water, DanielMoreArt.com, Remax of Gulf Shores with Chuck Norwood, Good Works Fabrication, all starting at 2 o'clock here on the game on Tide 100.9-1230. WTBC, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Houston. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy and colder today. The chance of a little scattered light rain. The most widespread rain will be south of here. The high 45. The sky clearing tonight. The low 29. And tomorrow a dry day. Partly to mostly sunny. The high 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 40 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1053, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. we got about uh, four more minutes, three or four more minutes to go. If you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. And I was talking with Bart Heights. We did uh, mention it briefly, but Washington running back Dylan Johnson, former Mississippi State Bulldog, who went down late in that uh, game against Texas at the Sugar Bowl. In fact, his injury really not only did it give Washington fans concern about his ability to play in the national championship game, but it also... Um, almost cost Washington the game because they were going to be able to run that clock down to about 15 seconds. And when he got hurt, a uh, clock was stopped. And, you know, because he was down and had to, um, you know, be removed from the field. Uh, and then they, were, of course, were worried about him being able to play. But according to Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator of Washington, in an interview yesterday on the radio, he said that x-rays taken at the stadium came back negative and Johnson is expected to play uh, versus Michigan. That's critical for them because we know with Michael Penix and those receivers what they can do with the passing game. And it's 
you know, it's as good a passing game as there is in the country. But he is a really tough physical running back that gives them that running game presence that you need to help your passing game out. And without him, it would um, it would change their offense. There's no doubt about it. He has had a terrific year for them. Of course, he had a great career at Mississippi State. But, again, he's a, he's a big, physical, hard um, running back. Six, 1,162 yards and 16 touchdowns this season. And behind him, the two backups have only combined for 376 yards and one touchdown between the two of them. So you don't have Dylan Johnson. You you change your offense because then teams are going to sit on that passing game. You know, as good as Washington is with a passing game, when Dylan Johnson is in there, you have to respect the run. You have to play the run because if you don't and you're putting all your defensive emphasis on covering those guys – you're going to open up those running lanes, and he's going to he's going to gas you. And that offensive line, we know how good it is. So it's critical. Um, it's critical for Washington's offense to have Dylan Johnson available on Monday night against Michigan. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show today. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Uh, Miller's Edge is coming up with the pastor paying Corey Miller and his son, former Alabama edge rusher and. Uh, Carolina Panthers player Christian Miller, 11 until noon. Then uh, Big Noon Sports with uh, Matt and Lars from noon until 2. And then Fowler will take you home this afternoon, 2 until 6 with the game. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. Then back here tomorrow morning, Thursday morning edition of the Gary Harris Show. The coach, Ellis Johnson, will be back with us uh, for his thoughts on the college football playoff semifinals and his prediction on Michigan and Washington. All right, have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Are you ready to smell that?